Hey guys, Kendall here with another interview. I'm interviewing the one and only James Paul Booker. Wait a minute, James Paul Booker never won a world championship? How did he get on this thing? Well, uh, James uh, Booker, whatever, uh, he and I go way back uh, to the summer of 2007 when uh, he and Brad Iyer kind of schooled me on competitive Star Wars CCG and who's a what's it and you know the days of Team Ohio and everything um and uh you know I just I sent out a lot of messages um to people for this series and he was one of the people that uh responded so uh I think he's going to be the only non-world champion that I uh that I interview but I uh, hope you enjoy Booker, James, you, you still go by Booker, right? Yeah, you know, people call me whatever. People call, call you whatever. Booker, call me James. <laughs> call me whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay, you. okay. Yeah, so so you and I, so I, I interviewed, you. Know, so so far you're the third person that I've interviewed in this series. I interviewed the the 2000 world champion uh, Matt Sokol. I interviewed three-time world champion uh, Mr. Bastion Winklehouse. Winkle Voss, uh, shoot, I don't remember his last name. Bastion, um, and and now I'm interviewing you, and uh, yeah, you were the company, I'll tell you that the 2005 runner-up to Worlds. Basically, I, I wanted to. I, the reason that I that I asked you uh, to be interviewed is is two a, a few reasons. Uh, first of all, I'm inter just interviewing anybody that did well at a Worlds that I can you know that I can get in touch with. Uh, Second of all, you're you're a retired player, uh, so I thought you might have an interesting perspective that's a little different from from where we're at with the modern game and everything. And then uh, the third thing is you and I used to play together back in uh, 2000, yeah, you know, 2007. Think, uh, yeah, Bradley and myself, I think we uh, jokingly referred to you as was it Kendall Gill Kendall back Gill. in the day? Yes, yes. Which I learned several years later is a basketball reference. Yeah, exactly, exactly, a basketball player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good times. Yeah, you guys and and, and uh, all the the team Ohio, you you were with Team Ohio and uh, and everything. So uh, let's so yeah, let's get started. How did you get started with uh, with Star Wars cards? Star Wars cards. I started playing. Um, I used to collect baseball cards. So I want to say sometime around ninety six, ninety seven. Uh, during my big time uh, affection for the Cleveland Indians, I went to a baseball card store. And this is also around the same time I started getting the Star Wars movies. I saw these cards there. I'm like, well, these are actually pretty cool. And I understood you could play a game with them. And this was right, I want to say Cloud City was the newest set. And I did, the guy at the store told me that you could play games with these cards instead of just sort of putting them in binders and, and looking at them and trying to memorize batting averages and plate appearances and things of that nature. And I was like, okay, well, um, you know, we'll give it a try. And I think I bought a pack of Hoth and my first rare was a scruffy looking Nerf order. I'm like, oh, <laughs> uh, is, this, is this good? And the guy's like, no, no, not really. <laughs> okay. So uh, then, you know, I went and bought like the two player set or whatever. And 
you know, tried to force games with my friends. Um, we tried to, you know, I, was, I think I was in the seventh grade, sixth grade at the mm-hmm. time, you know, trying to pour through the rule book and, you know, figuring out what things like attrition were and, um, you know, trying to keep all the phases in order. And, you know, amazingly, I stuck with it. You know, now I'm at the point in my life, if there's anything that's even moderately difficult, like a, you know, cell phone app or a, a computer program or, you know, just reading through, you know, some terse, you know, case law of some sort of just give up mm. and, you know, I move on to something else. But no, I mean, I was real dedicated to the cause of trying to learn the game. And, uh, I, you know, at the end of the day, I think it was very rewarding. You yeah. got to meet a lot of really cool folks and uh, just provided a lot of great opportunities and, something I was truly blessed to get involved with. All right. So um, at what point, at what point did you get kind of into the competitive, the competitive scene, would you say? Yeah. So again, this gets back to the going to the baseball card store. There was always, from what I was told, there was a weekly tournament going on. So I showed up the week there was an event and, you know, the people there couldn't have been nicer. Um, you know, I was, like I said, seventh grade kid. And, you know, I showed up, I think, with a deck with timer minds. It was just a total joke. But, you know, folks took great pity on me. They gave me all their extra white border premier cards. They got for <laughs> prizes uh, for, you know, the first few months. And uh, yeah. I'd show up to the events. And I think after maybe three or four weeks, I ended up maybe winning a game, which was actually at that time the pinnacle of my life. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, you know, I, I played in, I played in tournaments for years and years and, and, and lost a lot of games. You know, that's the thing about Star Wars cards is because it's like chess, like there's not enough, there's not a lot of variance. So you, I mean, there was more variance back then, but, but like if you're the better player wins usually. And so if you're, if you're not the better player, certainly, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. And also at that time, I think the economics of the game were such where, you know, you did need some decent cards. Now there are things like numbers and uh, non-unique decks that, you know, could help you out pretty well. And same with asteroids, which I don't think were too costly. But, you know, at that time, you know, at least how I always perceived it, you know, you needed, you know, high ability characters and quote unquote money cards to do well. Right, right. And I think, you know, for the longest time, I main card I had was a white border Han Solo. So as you can imagine, just trying to wreck all the folks with that one card. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even draw. He doesn't even draw on his own, right? Sad. Sad. Does not. No. I played, I think there was a brief period before Han virtual where I would play uh profit with, with that as my Han so that I could retrieve 10. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so get so so you were, you played through the decipher era. Uh, when did when was your first when was your first worlds? My first worlds was actually worlds two thousand five. Okay, okay, yeah. So um, so you took advantage of the uh, of the ten dollar booster box era, and uh, yeah, and- it was very funny. Um, you know when I played, you know I followed the game very closely all the way up to the end of the license mm-hmm. and. You know, you mentioned people like Bastion and Matt Sokol. Well, gosh, I mean, when I was, I want to say in 1999, when like Gary won in 2000 and when, when Matt Sokol won, I mean, going to Worlds seemed like, you know, a million miles away. Like I grew up in Ohio, didn't have a lot of money growing up. So like, you know, traveling to like Florida for a car tournament was just sort of like, it's crazy beyond, you know, the picture. But like, you know, once you get older and you go on to school and you get a job at some point or you're in college and, uh, 
you know, you're scraping by, you know, your, your nice part-time job and saving up a few extra coins, you know, going to a tournament, you know, didn't seem too out of, out of the, the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I got to Worlds 05, I'm like, this is perfect. And also, I want to say that Worlds 2004, for whatever it was, it was at Gen Con, and I think it, there's a big drop off in attendance, I think, from Worlds 03. And, you know, it wasn't like it was some mastermind plan when I started playing again in 05 after taking maybe a year or so off. But, you know, it looked like there was a real opportunity to maybe have some success in 2005. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bradley and myself, we'd been playing uh, a game of, Th- I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings uh, in like 03, 04, 05 together. And um, we saw that, you know, some folks in the area were playing Star Wars again. So we're like, hey, man, let's just, you know, play some Star Wars, have some fun. And uh, then one thing led to another. There were some events getting organized um, at in Ohio. I remember at that time when I was attending the illustrious University of Toledo, uh, they had a convention there called BashCon. And in 2005, the, the early part, I would say January, February, March, I was you know getting real excited about Star Wars cards again. So we decided to have a you know random event at BashCon. And I think we ended up getting like 20 people for it, which was wow. like, wow, yeah. sort of blown away because it, you know people were still playing the game at that time. And we just had a you know bang out of a good time. My um, good pal. Uh, James Abel came up for it, stayed at my, uh, you know, disgusting, pitiful Toledo apartment. And, uh, you know, Brad was there. And um, that's where we started becoming good pals with uh, Justin Stratton and Nate Meeker was that, that bash event. And like I said, one thing led to another. We ended up, you know, having more fun together that summer and uh, started the Team Ohio thing. And it was just a total blast. Yeah. So, um, I, I mean, I, I was I was kind of around for for a little bit of the Team Ohio stuff, but uh, but it's it's something that a lot of people reference. And so, who was Team Ohio? What was Team Ohio? I mean, Team Ohio was just a collection of Brad Iyer, Nate Meeker, Justin Stratton, and myself. It was just we were just you know four Ohio folks, you know, looking to, to yuck it up at tournaments. Uh, we had a um, a website that they had used with a, they had like maybe a I might sound crazier, a PHP bulletin board forum, uh, <laughs> you know, back when forums are still a thing, yeah. uh, where we would all, you know, just, you know, talk about all all sorts of subjects, mostly, you know, deck tech, you know, and trying to find ways to abuse virtual cards. And I tell you what, in spring of 2005 and, and winter, that whole 2005 period, there was just a lot of virtual cards that you could uh, try to get a lot of mileage out of. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, we were just going back and forth with deck ideas and, you know, we, and everyone, you know, really liked each other. Um, you know, some groups, there's maybe some folks have some animosity against one another, but I tell you what, you know, we were all, you know, sort of just, just a bunch of, I think, decent dudes. And we really wanted to just, you know, enjoy ourselves to the max. And Mm -hmm. uh, we really enjoyed talking about star Wars cards and, um, you know, that I think helped us all when we went to some tournaments, you know, we were able to, I think, you know, put up some decent numbers just because really, you know, that was an extension of just us just enjoying ourselves so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't us trying to like, you know, try to find ways to, you know, break the game or to find ways to, you know, take full advantage of things. It was just that we all enjoyed the game so much at that time, just due to sort of the open nature and we all enjoyed each other's company so much that that allowed us to, uh, just, you know, end up, you know, being in an environment that was conducive to, 
you know, just, I think some form of card game success, which is right. crazy to think, you know, you know, when you talk about success, right, you usually talk about, you know, your ability to like have like a career or to, you know, have children or to, you know, do whatever, but, you know, card game success, I think is I always bite my tongue when I say that because it's just, you know, sort of this absurd uh, phrase, but, you know, we we're able to have some of that just because it was just a function of us just enjoying each other so much and just enjoying, you know, what, what the game provided us at right. that time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I mean, to say that a card game, you're the audience that is listening to this podcast, I think they understand about card game success. Yeah. I mean, the star Wars cards is really interesting because it's such a, it's such a, uh, a tight community, such a competitive community. You have to put so much time and energy into it. And like, the best of the best get like a couple hundred dollars to offset the price that they paid exactly. to, to get to the event. Um, you know, this is not, this is not magic cards. You know, it's, it, it's not, it's not, and it's not the de- the game that it was, uh, you know, when I talked to Matt Sokol and when I talked to Bastion and they talk about Decipher flying them out to events, um, yeah. you know, the, the word, the Decipher era worlds for the first few years, Everyone who participated, the the 38 or 50 people or however many people who actually made worlds, Decipher flew them out. Like, it's just, yeah. you know, it's a crazy, it's a crazy concept. And then, uh, and so then the other thing is, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Sokol told me to ask you about uh, something about Albany and Gen Con, Team Albany and, and, uh, and, and something that ha- went down at Gen Con. Does that... Is that a story? Okay. That may have happened in 06 as well. 06 okay. just ripe with controversy. I tell you what, <laughs> uh, it was like the Empire Strikes Back for the uh, the Team Ohio folks. Uh, but I want to say at 06, that was the, I think that was the first tournament they may have came back to. Like at least okay. uh, Kingery, maybe Chu played in that event, I don't remember, and, and Sokol did. And I was, I was lucky enough to beat Sokol. I think I had... Uh, I don't remember exactly. Maybe the, the one of someone next leveled the other one by four straining at their executor while they were playing hunt down and, you know, put the objective out of play. And uh, I don't remember if he was the dark side player or I was the dark side player in that mm-hmm. game. But I ended up winning that game and I called myself the legend killer. And <laughs> I was so happy because I beat Matt Sokol, his former world champion. Right. And after that, you know, he went on to did Matt Sokol win worlds again. After uh, he, he didn't, he didn't win. And I don't believe he won another world. So. Yeah. I mean, but he, him and but, like, you know, I think one of the Twilligers, yeah. Twilliger brothers, King Reed, they, they all, they all came back and played the game. And we all, like I said, uh, it was just a good time. I think in 06, 07, 08, 09 and mm. 10, I think I, I'm not, sh- I don't think I played in world 2010, but I think world 09 was my last world. Okay. And, um, those guys, you know, they were all there for all that stuff. And those were just great guys to have on the scene. Okay. Yeah. So you must have you must have gotten out of the game like right before I came back because I came back 2011, 2012, something like that. For yeah, I got married in 2010 and I started law school mm-hmm. and that just consumed yeah. all the time. Yeah. And then I tried to come back after the reset, I think in 2014. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, between like you know it, this game right now, I and mean, you can attest to it if you're playing, you know, regularly. I think playing online is great, but one of the things if you want to do, you know, in-person paper play is that just requires infinite arts and crafts uh, to keep <laughs> it going. And, you know, the nice thing about, you know, other 
uh, hobbies or, or games you can play right now is you can usually just buy most things off the shelf and just mm-hmm. play mm-hmm. Uh, without, you know, having to go through all the, you know, the cutting and also the cards are yeah. all now sort of warped and, and weird yeah. feeling. And you don't want to, you know, I feel bad, you know, shuffling up some Jedi Lukes or whatever. I'm like, this seems sort of odd. Well, but, well um, I will say, I will say Gemp is, is tremendous. It is, yeah. it, it is a complete game changer. Cause I never had, I never had a, a team Ohio. I never had a, a play group. If I was playing with, with people regularly, I mean, you know, I played with you and Brad a little bit in, in 2007 and you guys were a thousand times better than me. And prior to that, like sometimes I would manipulate people into, into playing with me a little bit and they were always way worse than me because they barely understood the rules. One, the nice thing is on GEMP at any time of the day, I can play against a mediocre player. You, you know, I, I can, and, and, uh, and as far as the arts and crafts, uh, if you do all your play testing on GIMP, then at least you're not having to, yeah, it's, um, it's narrowed. Yeah. Down. Yeah. You're like, you're only having to build one deck. You're, you know, you're not having to having to build five different decks or cut out a bunch of different V slips that you're not even going to use. It's, yeah. it's really nice. So let's, let's go into, let's go into your, your 2005 worlds run. What, what would, what did the game look like back then? It was wild. Um, there was the old Watch Your Step V objective, which I think was clearly just uh, head and shoulders above everything else at the time. Okay. Um, that thing allowed you to uh, satisfy, made it really easy. I mean, you know how the game works. Mm-hmm. The game's all about satisfy, satisfying battle plan, battle order, and retrieving, and just causing a bunch of direct damage and, and some combination of that. But at least, you know, from the economic resource standpoint, uh, being able to satisfy battle plan, battle order, I think is probably, you know, the best path to success for mm-hmm. most, most decks. And it did that very easily. Um, it did so with very cheap characters, uh, Karelians, um, and, you know, it was in terms of resource advantage that, that just gave you tons mm-hmm. tons of resources. Um, so that time was like, okay, so what beats Watcher Step V? And I want to say just maybe like three or four weeks before Worlds, um, they, the PC had printed some counters. Um, there was the Emperor's Plan V, which I think is deployed on a location, allowed you to, allowed it, the, what did it do? It made battles be real expensive for, you know, some, some uh, these like alien type decks to be used. Like so there was some meta stuff that like sort of changed some of the things. Mm-hmm. So um, at least we had that going into Worlds 05 or the PC, I think it's seen an issue and, and tried to make it a little bit easier. Uh, but I just remember, you know, on there's the Watcher Step deck and then there's, of course, Scum, right? Scum in 05, again, was just super incredible. Um, at Yavin 4, uh, the Team Ohio folks, we all played the My Kind of Scum with uh, Whippids and Jaquil because Jaquil at that time was just the most bonkers uh character ever and then um there was um i think Sheely and pistone had made a like careful i forget crv scum with the you play tatooine and you get java's palace out as well as with the starting interrupt and you get four effects and you know that that made it you know set up to where you could also get into space moves back then the java sail bars would allow you to play a ship out of your deck as a, as a react. I, I forgot that I forgot that CRV let you do four effects back then. Yeah, yeah, that was that was gone. That was that has, that was a long time ago. 
That's that's inter- That's a really interesting. Yeah. I could be talking out of my rear, but I no, think no. You're. Smart. I think you're right. I think. I, I think you're right. Yeah. I to- so, I had totally forgotten about that. Yeah. So all those, you know, so scum and watch your step, and then there was things on the margins, right? Like what beats watch your step? Um, you know, things something like hunt down that could battle for free. You know, could do a good job against watch your step. Um, you know, Throne Room had decent matchups against uh, Scum, you know, depending upon, you know, how you're able to get to, you know, uh, the audience chamber and use Slave Leia to, to cancel their Scum and Villainy and, and maybe make a, a mess of their game. There's also other decks that were really cool at the time. There was the Bespin CRV deck that um you know you obviously got bestman out but the idea was you'd play like five free executor events you'd play executor and chiranu and occupation and weather vane uh along with cloud city to where you just activate gazillion force and light side still had speeders at that time which was you know okay and then there was uh, agents in the court um that took advantage i think of the tuscan breath mask card uh, which was just extremely absurd. I think that was the one that uh, you could, where all, whenever all your ability on the table is provided by aliens, you your ability in battles was plus X or X equals the side of your objective. And, you know, as you know. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, the seven the, side of the uh, objective. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, kind of remember the that. The court objective, super easy to flip. You just needed a. a See, this is why, this is why I'm, I'm interviewing you because you remember what all these old cards were. This is, this is triggering so many memories. Oh, yeah. And also, wait, hold on. Another light side deck that was just super incredible back in the day. This was actually the most incredible deck was Indoor Mains. Uh, <laughs> the free uh, Reflections 2 Virtual Luke that can be played uh, on Indoor was just value town. Mm-hmm. Um, also, all the buddy effects, like that's one. I'm with you, too. Right, right, right. Uh, those were just incredibly broken. Um, so there were virtual versions of those, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, There was a virtual version. So you could, you know, really amass a bunch of power, like with your Jedi Luke that played for free, your uh, Chewbacca, your general solo V, which is also a very, I think, important card in the, the watch your step V deck. And, you know, you could just neighbor it around, um, and have, you know, 19,000 power and just end games. And that's what, and, and when, you know, I guess this is, you know, an aside of this, but, you know, when the players committee said, listen, this, all this battle phase stuff of, you know, just free cheap characters and just beating people's heads in, you know, this is not a good way to play Star Wars cards. We're going to scale it down. Once the game got away from the, I used to call say I was, I was a, the great battle phase player. I was, a, I love the battle phase. I, I win games in the battle phase. Mm-hmm. But once they started nerfing all that stuff and the game became more controller control oriented and the game became, uh, less checkers and more chess. Uh, that's when, you know, it became a little bit more challenging. And, uh, you know, obviously my, my success, you know, trailed yeah. off. That's, that's uh, interesting because I, I think that the, the many people's criticism is that it's swung back in the other direction now that it's uh, is it a battle phase game now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it's all Sign about it's all about playing, deckless, Kindle, playing big stacks of dudes against each other drawn lots yeah. of battle destinies and lots of power. Yeah, that's that's what the game is yeah. all about now, I think. There's oh, okay. no interesting. nobody interesting. plays related sites. So so you really are just stacking it like one site one versus the other. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's 
I would. I mean, I. I think the. I th- frankly, I think the game is better now than it's ever been. But that's you know, that's just like my opinion. But yeah, sign mm-hmm. on to. I mean, sign on to Gemp and build it. You can literally. You can literally. The the NPC. I mean, they're the decks are six months old now. But you can go on and download the Gemp file of of whatever decks from the the NPC. You don't even have to build the deck. Upload it into Gemp. Play against a bad player. And you know, and get the get the feel for it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I, I would say it's I would say it's definitely and and even and even more so in like the last, yeah, just like probably the last probably the last six months or year or so. I think it's definitely been. It's all about yeah. It's all about characters fighting each other. Okay, okay, I'll have to check it out. Cool, cool. Well, well, yeah, good. I recruited a new player, I guess. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, so what, so, um, so for, so for worlds, what did, what decks did you end up playing? Uh, I ended up playing, oh gosh, for day one or day two, I guess it was, you know, there's. Were you, qual- so you were, qual- you still had to qualify for day yeah, two back, back then. Day, still had to qualify. Um, for day one, I want to say I played agents in the court and, uh, scum V. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Hot Bounty. Hot Bounty, yeah. Hot Bounty was another absurd card. Yeah. You make, you know, someone power equals zero where I've got a gangster. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying to rush the audience chamber is just incredibly difficult. So, you know, there I end up squeaking in. I think I ended up going like four and two. I had to win, you know, my last game. And, um, you know, I made, I ended up being, I think I was sixth or whatever at the end of day two. Um, you know, the agents in the court deck, which was pretty cool. Uh, like I said, it was you know, very, um, uh, easy to keep flipped or whatever. Um, at that time, there was definitely some hunt down decks that were, um, sort of smartened up to that and, you know, would play things like that would, I forget how they exactly did it, but this, you know, between first strike and visage and, and all like the sort of wear down attrition cards, mm-hmm. um, it became very difficult to, I think, you know, profitably play that deck uh because you put you too have, many cards on the table exactly it's so many cards on the table and also i mean really when it push comes to shove darth maul's double bladed lightsaber you know drawing like uh, the phantom menace for a destiny is a lot better than uh, you know your kit tonak uh just <laughs> hanging around in the desert somewhere so you do have that okay okay so, so you got through, you got through that there and then, and then day, whatever it was day two. So, so did you, had you already qualified for, for worlds then? Where, where, what, how did yeah, you qualify? I, I qualified at the, I want to say it was the Yavin four regional. Um, that was really the first, you know, T there was the bash condiment that I discussed previously. Uh, but you know, we went in full throated as team Ohio to uh, the Yavin four regional. This was in Maryland. Um, happened in April 2005, and this was a. I don't. I'd have to recall, but I think at this time, you know, regionals were still sort of a you know a decently sized thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I want to say Lingrell had ponied up some like cash bunny for a prize. Uh, Tim Simon had organized it at his store in Bel Air, and you know, it was, it was getting a lot of folks. And I want to say that V9 had not come out yet, but we were still sort of on that V8 wave. Okay. And uh, we decided to make the, the car trip down. Um, I went from Toledo to Kent. We all stayed at Nate Meeker's house the night before. 
and uh, we drove down um, and we got there and uh, it was so great because at that time I met Greg before back at Origins and I would say 2001, 2002. And Greg Shaw, just this incredible fellow. You know, I, you know, I think he's one of the nicest guys I've ever met playing this game. You know, he was there, you know, Taco Bill. Uh, obviously, that was the first time I met Tim Simon, you know, just an incredible gentleman. Um, Lingrell couldn't make it that day. I forget exactly what. Something happened last minute to where he couldn't come. Uh, but, you know, those folks there, the Westergaards and, and Jeff Johns and, and all those people at the Avonport tournament, it was just such a fun, fun day um, that – you know, because I, like I said, I was, I was excited about Star Wars cards again. We, we ran BashCon, but, you know, that was just, you know, some Ohio folks. And I was just really interested to see, interested to see how the game was going, you know, outside of the Ohio area. Because you read stuff on the internet and you, right, know, you see right. in, the, in the forums. Uh, but, you know, actually getting to meet all those folks was just such a, you know, such a treat. And, you know, that helped sort of propel everything for the next few years because, you know, as you know, once you get to see people on a personal level and you build these bonds, it becomes more than just playing a game. Right, it becomes right. more of a social event, and that's what you get more tied to uh, than you know you would otherwise, mm-hmm. and it just makes it that much more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so you got six. So your sixth place in uh, in worlds. We're jumping around here, I'm trying to interview Mark Marin style. Uh, uh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, and you go into you go into day day three or day two or whatever day the the final day. I am paired up against Jared Lockwood. Okay. Jared Lockwood, a Midwest master. I want to say back when Decipher kept ratings, he had close to. I could be misrepresenting it. I want to say, two thousand rating, twenty one hundred rating. It was okay. pretty high. Okay. And was uh and was and what was the cut down to at this point? Was it, it was eight, eight or twelve? Eight. eight. Okay. It was eight. So. Uh, eight versus one, you know, like, you know, four or five. Right, 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 right. Single so, elimination. Was it match play? It was match play, okay. yes. So here's where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to d- dive back. This is probably all recorded somewhere, so I could probably just maybe reference that. But I want to say the first seed of that day was Reed Smith. Okay. And then the eight seed was, gosh. The eight seed very well could have been, um, very well could have been uh, Drew Scott. Okay. And then the second seed was Nate Meeker, and the seventh seed was, gosh, I'm blanking. Um, I was the sixth seed, um, and um, Lockwood was the three seed. Um, and then Brad Iyer was either the four or five seed, and I don't remember who he played. In the so that's a lot of the that's a lot of team team Ohio folks yeah, in had, the top so eight. We had three of our four folks in the um, in the last in, in the cut, and I think we could have got four. The only problem was the last game of the event. It was Justin Stratton and myself had to play off, and that was just unfortunate because I think if we would have played separately. Mm-hmm. He would have won, and you know I would have won. Then um, we'd have been able to, you know, all four of us potentially. Yeah. Make. All right. So so yeah. So round so round one, you're paired against this Jared guy. Yeah. So Jared Lockman, Midwest legend, right? And I knew his decks going in. I think the day before he had played Speeders, and he'd also played uh, the Bestman deck. 
the Bespin CRV deck, which I think you, you just you end up playing Bespin, or you, no, you end up playing, you started off with Bespin Cloud City and like a, you know, 2 1 site. Um, and his deck started, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but like his, his deck started at Weathervane. Weathervane was an effect that you play on table and you get plus two activation if you have Bespin Cloud City in play. So he'd start off like a 6 1 or 6 2 or something incredible like that. Right, right. Um, so he was playing the the Bespin CRV deck, and then he was also playing Speeders for Light. I decided instead of playing uh, Agents in the Court, I switched the Throne Room. Throne Room was you know my favorite deck ever, and I figured you know we're in day three of Worlds, folks. Let's just play Throne Room. We'll right, right, right. Out. Throne Room's never bad. Yeah, and then I played um, CRV Scum uh, for the Dark Side deck. I think it was almost the same deck that I played the day before. And the nice thing about Jaquil was that he could play underneath the shields, I think, right, and he right. noted Jaquil. So I'm like, you know, we have a shot here. So uh, Jared picks first, and he picks to go light side. And I'm like, okay, let's let's do this. And, you know, we're playing, and it ends up being to where, like, maybe he, he's able to get some movement in space, and he blows me out of space, and then – He's able to get a speeder stuff going real quick. And, you know, I think it was ended up being a very quick game, but I think Jared ended up winning that first game by like 13 fours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I tried my best, but I think he had a bunch of like undercover spies and mm-hmm. um, he was just able to really just, you know, prevent my damage uh, because I was what the deck did and he was able to keep me out of space. I think he had some guns of some sort and blew my ships out and like, oh boy. So I was just in a very tough spot. I was down by 11 and going into the next game, but I felt very good about the Thrindu matchup because one of the cards I did play in my deck was Light Side Weathervane. Uh, Weathervane <laughs> a unique card, right? Yeah. And, you know, as a Throne Room player, you play all your effects first. So I play a Walkling and I play Weathervane and I play just something else that's somewhat yeah, in yeah. this time. And what this did was it blocked Jared out from playing Weathervane. So his, you know, 6-2 Magical Christmas Land start became a, became a 4-2 uh, Magical Christmas Land right, start. Right, right. Which, which, which is not as good, and you're choking him anyway because of because you're playing yeah. uh, Throne Room. Yeah, choking him, and there was the Professor Shield at that time, so his free executor wasn't going to be a thing. Um, and Because the I Professor just, Shield was, and that was, you paid half, right? You paid half, yeah. Because yeah. now the Professor Shield, you paid two. Yeah. Yeah, and also as a throne room player, he uh, relied. I think he started Quake Driveyards and uh, Mob Points to pull the Executor. Well, I mean, as a light side player, you play Don't Do That Again, of course, and that suspends mobilization points. So he just had a rough go of it, and I was able to get, gosh, you know, you're, you get the Han Chewy Falcon at the Cloud City sector, draining for two. You end up getting, you know, just your mains. Like at the time, it was Mace Windu pulling his lightsaber during his sight for two or three. And, you know, if he's getting choked out, you know, that was just a very short game for him. I think I ended up winning a game like 25 points of scores. So, um, you know, that was, it wasn't too remarkable, just, you know, with the results of that. But it was just definitely like, a, you know, one of those things where you know, we'd prepared, we'd played those decks, you know, all throughout the summer, like uh-huh. the best deck and the, um, in the speeders deck and the, in the scum deck. And I think in hindsight, um, maybe I just did a really bad job using the, uh, the scum deck against speeders, 
but I mean that Bestman matchup, I knew it pretty well from right, the right. So I, I knew that was a game that you could just win by a lot of force and not have too many issues, only because the dark side player just has so few options mm-hmm. after he's mm-hmm. struck them out. So were you um when I guess when you're when you're going into that top eight match play, are are you are you deciding your deck and 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 tuning your deck based on what you're putting your opponent on like you would exactly. maybe in like yeah, the, in the MPC. For me, it was just so important to make it out in the first round. Okay. Cause if you don't make it out the first round, you know, you, you're just cooked. So that's why I had to play a card like weather vein. Right. I, right. So, right. Sa- so, so going into round two, what's, what's, what's it look like? So Nate Meeker is my opponent in round two. And um, it's just a mess. You know, obviously you don't want everyone to play your teammate in round right. two. Um, uh, so the semifinals this time, I'll break it down for you. It was myself and Nate Meeker on one side, and then it was Bradley Iyer and Drew Scott on the other side, right? So we had we had the three people, three Team Ohio folks, and, and Reed. You know, Reed was in. You know, it's always funny with Reed. He was always in and out of Team Ohio stuff. We claimed him when he did well. Um, <laughs> when he did well. And we were just both doing lousily. He didn't, no one wanted to you know, deal much with the other, but you know, we'd always talk decks. He was a team Ohio affiliate. We even stayed in the same hotel that year. So, you know, it was fine. Um, but the game against Nate and I, it was just so close. I mean, it, the problem with that matchup was that, you know, we all knew each other's decks and in and out mm-hmm. and our styles of play and really, you know, against Meeker, I mean, I think I just ended up just getting luckier in all mm-hmm. my game. He was playing CRV scum and he's playing indoor mains. Um, you know, in, with indoor mains, I think always one of the tricks was being able to get your loop quickly and being able to sort of transport around and, and things of that sort. But because um, I think one of the buddy effects allowed you to just move to locations anywhere on the board. <laughs> I could be that, but I think that was one of the things. And, um, you know, he just ended up getting a slow start and, you know, I was able to win our dark side game. And then the light side game, he was playing scum, but like I had this like very nice, you know, throne room deck that was tricked out to you know beat scum to the extent you could do something like that i think i was playing i was playing a gift i moved you know my 3po into his audience chamber and just you know made all of this you know stuff uh, just a total disaster for him and um you know i like that whole game you know really just came down to um just just luck at that point because like i said we'd all do each other's decks so well and we were all sort of maybe playing you know the same types of decks mains versus scum on both sides that, you know, either one of us could have won. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess, I guess since you'd played with him a lot, did you, is he, is he somebody that when you were playing casually that it was a coin flip or was, or is he somebody that you would, you at that time would have considered yourself a tighter player than him? Oh, no, no. I mean, I think, you know, at that time, uh, Nate was always perceived to be, I think, probably the stronger player in our whole group, in our groups, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just, I mean, but at that time, I think, it, you know, we had all played so many games that summer with a, you know, eye towards worlds that um, I don't think there was much space between really any of us at that time. And he ended up, did he end up winning worlds? He, like, won, he won worlds the very next year. Uh, the next the year. Next that's year. what I was, that's what I was thinking. All right. So then you get your final round versus uh, whoever the world champion, who cares what the yeah, world Drew champion Scott, is. Drew Scott, right? I, I'll tell you what, when, when I beat, when I beat Nate, uh, I, I'm beating Nate. It was just, you know, when, you know, our game is finished and, you know, just the results were what they were. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you I still like, had to. I mean, you still had to play. You still had to play correctly in the yeah. in the quarterfinals or the semifinals of of worlds. I mean, that's you know to give yourself a little credit. So, yeah. So I was so excited about the prospect of playing Brad in the finals of worlds because if it would have been <laughs> Brad and myself, I think we would probably would have played. Would have been like probably the most casual, fun Star Wars CCG Worlds finals of all time. It, like, and. You know, I think, you know, Brad ran into, you know, I think Drew honked him and uh, I mean, obviously Drew honked him, but uh, Brad, you know, didn't win. And um, I think had, you know, of all the, you know, results, I wanted to have been different. Obviously, I would, you know, well, myself to win Worlds if I right, could right. You know, change something. But if I could actually go back and change one result of that whole thing, I would have Drew, I'd have Brad go over Drew. So we could just have the, the most exciting, most electrifying, most fun times finals mm-hmm. ever. And, um, you know, we just, we, that just didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So what did, what, what, so the actual finals, what, what, how did, you know, how did that, how did that go? It pains me. Cause I think I can probably remember more details of this finals game. Than I can, of, you know, any of the star Wars card games I've ever played since. Um, it's one of these things that, you know, I, I don't think I, I don't wake up in cold sweats at night, but you know, whenever I, you know, go through this, whenever we talk about these, old events or the 2005 worlds, you know, I just think back to, you know, just all of just like the, the tough spots I was in, in each of those games and just really how close they were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the first game I was the dark side player and, um, you know, Drew was playing throne room and that was always sort of a tough matchup for the scum player, but, you know, it wasn't impossible, but he had enough things going his way. He was able to get a gift going early and, um, I don't, I don't think I was able, he was able to, I wasn't able to get my hut smooch out quickly to, to get rid of his, um, his three PO with the, had a gift on it. Uh, one of the things I didn't have in my deck that I think other folks had at that time, I wasn't playing sniper in my deck. Cause you know, back in the day, you know, all these great cards, there's only room for so many. Right. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's still true of Scum. Scum wants yeah. to play about an 80-card deck. Yeah. So I didn't have Sniper in my deck, I don't believe. And, um, you know, I, I couldn't, because once you get someone with a gift on them, it's just so tough mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. as the Scum player. Um, I He was playing, you know, he had Han, Chewie, Falcon, like everyone else did at the time. And he was up in space. And, you know, my guys, I was just drawing pitifully at the time. Uh, they couldn't, you know, crack his attrition, even after drawing, you know, multiple battle, or I couldn't crack his immunity, even after drawing multiple battle destinies. And, you know, it ended up being, I think he ended up winning that game by, you know, maybe six, okay. four to six force, if I remember correctly. And it was just such a grind where um, it was really almost anyone's game, but like, I, there was never a point in that game where I could just break through mm-hmm. and get like the drains of two, two, two off without paying for them. Right. Right. Um, and I think there was a point where I may, I think I lost Darth Maul's Sith infiltrator early and, you know, I just couldn't just sit up there and, and, you know, you know, collect on the, uh, uh collect the on the occupation. And I, yeah. Okay. Okay, so it was a so the CRV deck was was an was an occupation. No, oh, yeah, use occupation, okay. use Galid uh, to drain for two at the Java's Palace sites. Okay. Um, you know, you would 
you could just beat people up in space really bad uh, with, you know, your Boba Fett bounty hunters and your boasts, whoever else you had in the deck. Uh, but, you know, part of it was if their space was just really strong, then you just played Maul in a ship and you just camped them out there and you just, you know, paid the okay. you know, two cards each turn. You know, you know, this sounds like a good deck for me to try <laughs> in, in the yeah. current bet. I mean, scum is really good right now. So, but, but it's all, but it's all court. Um, okay. you know, you know, so, which, I mean, court gets that, gets that bonus to the bounty hunters forfeit, which is, that's, you know, that's, that's good. But, uh, I wonder, I wonder, yeah, that's, you know, these, all of these cards you're mentioning still exist. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, throwback. So we play a throwback deck. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the great thing about Gemp is you can build a deck and play a game and then never play it with it again. And you didn't have to cut out any arts and crafts. Yeah. Just, so you know, <laughs> shoving your hands and scissors and also like the loose shreds of paper. It was all fine and good when I just had a cat. Now I have like two little kids and you know, I'm uh, sure they you know, put it in their mouths. They're just, you know, they're monsters. There, there is a, there is a, 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 a V slip of a Galen uh, I don't know if Galen was around when when you when you yeah, were yeah, playing. I remember him, yeah. Um there's a V slip of a Galen in my laundry room that has biodegraded. It has become one with the floor. Oh wow, um, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh and I still just randomly find legacy V slips. It's all legacy V slips because when I came back after the reset, I was I was all on, on GEMP or or like specifically going to a tournament but back in the day you just you just kept you just kept cutting out printing stuff out and cutting it out and printing yeah, printing it out and cutting it out and we were so hardcore for so long um well, not so long but for like you know four years there mm. i want to say that we had almost all each of us had all the good decks built or what mm. was perceived to be good decks at that time and i think it was maybe somewhere between four or six decks each side and that was just all you know all the virtual cards and, right. and every new set you would update them and, and also um you know every now and then someone would like do well with like an oddball deck which we never had built so we're like okay i guess got to build that deck now <laughs> um i think one of the whenever someone did really well with like the clone trooper deck that i think it was like blast the door kid mm-hmm. it's like oh gosh you're just you know cutting out you know right 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 so um so so the the last so your last your last, last game, game. your yeah, last, last game, game the heartbreaking the heartbreaking moment yeah so the last game um he was playing hunt down and um and I was playing throne room classic match right classic match probably, probably the greatest Star Wars match of all time most you know evenly matched or whatever mm-hmm. and you know wouldn't you believe it he, I think he started the Phantom Menace. And his deck consisted of putting down North Mall Young Apprentice on a docking bay and uh, putting the double bladed lightsaber on him and just going to town, right? And that deck, I mean, I mean you pay three to drain for, you know, three all day. I think it's a good trade off, mm-hmm. uh, even though you have to lose a force to do it. But, um, you know, I tried, you know, my best to clear him off the site. You know, he was choking me a little bit on force. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that Darth Maul, I mean, I, I think I still have nightmares of it. I couldn't clear him. You know, I'd you know, just swing at him with lightsaber. Uh, he either had force field or I couldn't get past his defense value eight. And this was like even during like Colo Clawfish period. And I want to say I'd start at Colo Clawfish, but he played like Sando Aqua Monster to kill it. 
And uh, so, you oh, know, man. That was clawfish. That's starting. hard. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, he ate my clawfish and, um, you know, I could never in a way get to a point where I could survive like his lightsaber hitting my dudes or to clear him off. And I think at one point I did clear him off, but like, um, I wasn't able to cause any battle damage. And the next turn he's able just to play someone. And I had, I had Savrip out. And, and one of the things that still gets me this day is that, uh, I had like Obi-Wan with lightsaber in a battle and maybe he didn't get hit and he didn't have to get forfeited or whatever. But, um, instead of like, I had another one in my hand, someone said I lost it to cover, you know, battle damage for Savrip. Um, and, or someone says, I, 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 I'm sorry, I take that back. I think I just forfeited Obi-Wan from the location when I could have just forfeited or lost the, the Obi-Wan from right. my hand. Right. Uh, Savrip. And I'm like, you know, I don't remember doing that, but, you know, someone told me that after the game, but if that's the case, then gosh, I'm just, you know, an idiot and, uh, you know, probably deserve to lose. But, you know, and that's also one of the things like that is, you know, when you, and we're 15 years removed from this, but, right, right. you know, um, you still sort of remember all like the, you know, the, or people will remind you of all the sort of the, maybe the bad angles you've taken, you know, Brad, I are, you know, my best friend in the whole world. Um, you know, we, this is not something we talk about every single day, but every now and then whenever we talk about Star Wars cards, and you know, we'll reminisce, you know, we'll talk about, you know, just the, the Drew Scott bad beats that he laid on both of us and, uh, you know, sh- chagrin heavily um, as to, you know, what, what could have been. But I tell you what, you know, all t- hats off to Drew Scott, man. He was able to, you know, I think figure out, like, I think the, uh, you know, scope that he had to take in each of these games and, you know, how to maybe, you know, inflict as much damage and, and force loss as possible in the confines of dealing with mains decks, mains decks, and, and scum. And, you know, he did a really good job of that and was rewarded. All right. Well, um, yeah, great, great story there. Um, <laughs> so I guess, I guess uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I've got just a couple questions for you and then I'm going to go into my, uh, James Lipton inside the actor's studio Pivo questionnaire that I, that I always ask at the end of these uh, interviews. So you did leave, you did leave the game in, in 2010. Um, I guess, I guess, do you think it was, I guess, did you leave because of where the game was at or was it more of a life thing? Do you think? I mean, it goes both. I think a little bit of everything. Um, At that time, you know, the folks, like I think Nate had moved to Korea at that point or South Korea and Justin at that point, you know, was his children were very young at that age. Um, I think, he, I think he was on, I think he had two kids at that time. Maybe he had all three, I think by 2010, um, you know, Brad still like playing the game. I had moved out East actually in, in 08, I moved to Philly okay. and played out there and, and I really enjoyed my time out there. But in 2010, I moved back to Ohio. I went to, you know, started going back to school and I got married then. And the Ohio scene really was just you know, Brad and myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that I missed that, you know, when I came back out here or came back to Ohio, there just wasn't, you know, regular play. Whereas right. when I lived in Philly, I was so blessed because there was the guys that play in New Jersey, you know, we'd go to MetLife, um, you know, every, you know, few months or so. And then uh, Casey Annis would run tournaments down in College Park. Uh, regularly so I'd go down uh, like on a Friday night I'd stay with 
uh, Tim, Simon, and then uh, Jeff Johns, Tim, myself, we'd either go down to, you know, College Park and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd, you know, just stay the whole weekend with, with uh, Aglets or, um, you know, we would maybe do stuff up in, in Philly uh, up there. And coming back to Ohio, that just, just wasn't a thing. And mm-hmm. back in those days, which was, gosh, 10 years ago, uh, Holotable, I think, was the, the main online source. And Holotable, you know, I, I thought it was okay, but, you know, a lot of people, you know, really liked it. I thought it was so clunky to play on. But no dig on Holotable, it's just how it was. And that's how the yeah. game is. And Star Wars CCG is not a clean, concise game. Yeah. It, is, it has a lot of pieces, parts. Right. But to do it online, it's just, you know, you lose some of the, the, the fun, funness out. Right, right. To to play, yeah, Holotable, my issue with Holotable was with Star Wars cards, I don't know what all my opponent's cards do. I'm not a good enough player to know that. I mean, you know, you're a world championship runner up, so you probably had all the cards memorized, but, but like my opponent would do a thing and I'd be like, is that what that card does? I mean, I don't even know what my cards do sometimes, you know, uh, that's yeah. why, that's why Gimp is so great. Cause it enforces the rules. <laughs> so, you know, your opponent's not cheating or your opponent's like, I think that's a bug. And I'm like, no, it's not a bug. You're just not good at Star Wars cards. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, uh, to get back to that, you know, it was also, you know, at that time, like the game, you know, I think Spice was a deck around that time. Like, you know, when, when those decks like Spice and I just didn't, I wasn't a fan of the uh, Hunt Down V stuff. I thought Hunt Down, Hunt Down V was fine, but like when the game, you know, started getting a little... I, to me, it felt like it was getting off the rails. Just mm-hmm. like a, just a bunch of like obscure like expanded universe stuff. Right, right. Uh, but it was needed, right? Because you got to grow the game, you got to do things. But to me, I just didn't have a lot of interest in that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think by that time, I you know been cutting out virtual cards for you know so long. I'm like, all right, I'm just sort of done. And you know, I just buckled down, focused on school a little bit, and. Um, you know, I tried to get back when the reset happened because I think in 14, I was maybe interested in playing a little bit again, but you know, there's just so many, you know, virtual cards that I missed and, you know, it's never an impossible number to learn and mm-hmm. get into it. But, you know, some of the stuff I just had zero interest in, but the reset was pretty cool. Um, I went to the reset event in Philly uh, that happened in, I think it was 2014 in the fall there. And that was a lot of fun, but, you know, I just, you know, I think I had like a, I had more fun seeing people like Tim Simon and Greg Shaw and Scott um, than I did uh, you know actually playing the game, and you know it was what it was. But like again, there was no Ohio scene, and I didn't have the gumption to mm-hmm. to make an Ohio scene mm-hmm. again. So um, you know that was just that. Yeah. I sort of left the game, you know, in, in that state. Are you still Are you still in Ohio? I am. I live. So I just moved. I'm in my, I just moved to this house I'm in now about two weeks ago. We were living up in the Cleveland area, my wife and I, uh, with our two kids. Uh, But now I live in the illustrious, thriving metropolis of Willard, Ohio. It's where I graduated from high school. My wife has a a dental (laughs) practice here. And um, my job as such as as an attorney that handles cases, you know, across the country, Mm -hmm. um, I can just uh, work. Um, out of my house for the most part. And especially with, you know, COVID now, you know, hearings and all that stuff is done online. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I could, you know, work out of almost anywhere. Um, that's going to end at some point, but, you know, for 
if I have, you know, cases or whatever, I'm usually having to travel for those anyway. So mm-hmm. this means I'm further from the airport now, but it's a good quality of life change for my family. Uh, my in-laws live here in town and, you know, the kids get to see them. And also, you don't have to put them in a car and drive them, you know, for you know, a few hours each day. Right, right. School is and, uh, you know, things are pretty good. So actually, I think you're, are you still in Columbus, Kendall? I'm in Columbus, yeah. Yeah, so you're just about maybe like 95 minutes from me. So I should, you know, come down. Give you a buzz next time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and there are, uh, yeah, you're. I mean, this COVID is, makes everything weird uh, because the uh, the the Star Wars CCG Facebook group has kind of exploded. Uh, I don't know, maybe it was, or maybe it was already exploding, and I just got into it uh, re- relatively recently. But there are a bunch of Ohio people who have never played competitively, but like, you know, play Star Wars cards or collect Star Wars cards. And yeah, we've kind of got a group to get. We've got like a a, a messenger thread going that okay. we're always talking about. Once things get better, we're all going to get together and play. So it could go either way. You know, it's one of those things where once everything's all magically cured, uh, I'll, I'll be like, "Yes, here's the event," and we'll have like 15 people not show up. You know, yeah, or exactly. or the other way. Yeah, be fun, at least just to see folks and you know yeah. get together and talk about the game and just keep me posted on that. But I think one of the cool things you mentioned is the Facebook stuff. Yeah, it's, it's wild. Like I've, you know, followed the the Facebook group since I think it's you know, started or whatever. I've been on mm-hmm. Facebook forever. But um, you know, it's so cool. Like, you know, I do see things like the sales post and the trade post and things. Right, right. And, um, that's always fun. Um I'm in my like I said, I just moved in my new office. Yeah. I, I picked up some uncut sheets uh from someone a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna get those bad boys framed and stuck up on the wall here. So nice, nice. I have my, one of the coolest things I got from finishing second in World 2005 was I got uh, some Reflections One uncut sheets that have uh, ultra rares on them. I'm gonna get oh, those wow. framed finally nice. 15 years later. So nice. it's so funny nice. we're talking about this because you know I was just dredging through that old stuff uh, you know when I was moving. And I'm like, uh-huh. you know what? Times finally come 15 years later. Uh, I can stick these things on the wall and not feel so bad about, you know, my, my miserable Star Wars feel. I've got my Endor Commons framed behind me here. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, all those things look really nice. Man. <laughs> it's pretty cool. All right. So uh, I always like to end my interviews with uh, the uh, the Pivo questionnaire based on uh, James Lipton's Inside the Actor's Studio, um, but adapted for Star Wars cards. Uh, so first question, what is your favorite card? Uh, it would be Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight. Okay. What is your least favorite card? Um, gosh, this is, this is a very tough one. My least favorite card, uh, disarmed. Okay. Uh, what kinds of cards, uh, stimulate your creativity? Uh, I think any cards that say double or triple some result. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, what kinds of cards just make you want to quit the game? Uh, cards that say cancel battle. Cards that say, um, you know, ignore damage. Okay. Okay. So, so like Gick or Stunning Leader? Exactly. Or... Gick, okay. Stunning Leader, Savrip to some extent. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of, it's so it's, that's, that's one thing that's frustrating is that, is that we we're playing, you know, you play magic and, and fog is a bad card, but the yeah. fog of star Wars cards, Gick and Haljix 
are like in every single deck. That's, Absolutely. you know, Absolutely. it's a thing. Um, what is your favorite Star Wars term? Oh, um, gosh. Uh, frock. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dodo Bantoine would go, he would frock Jawas on the ring. Is that what it was? <laughs> All right. Um, what opponent's deck do you love to see? Um, uh, do you mean like in terms of like if, what, when I sit across from like, this is just, this is just a fun time or something like, Oh man, I could easily just crush this thing. How, however you want to, however you want to answer it, oh, whatever good. is important you to know, you. I always enjoy playing. Um, like I said, the throne room hunt down matchup was always my favorite. So if I was playing hunt down, I think if my opponent's playing throne room, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and also consequently, T tables are turned if I'm playing throne room or I'm sorry if I'm playing hot down and my opponent's playing throne room let's go so I, I that's okay. what I really like to see uh, what opponent's deck would you hate to see uh, I just hate uh, this is going you know way back mm -hmm. in the day but like you know asteroids back when asteroids were a thing like 1998 asteroids or mm -hmm. operatives mm -hmm. just, just decks yeah. that just have like very inconsequential storyline angles to them okay. but dealing lots of damage Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, when I first got back into the game, I like, I, I made a big deal that I wanted to play on GIMP cause you can play in all different formats. I wanted to play Premier Jabba's palace with somebody thinking that we would play like, uh, you know, running around Jabba's palace, hitting each other with crappy aliens. And yeah. of course my opponent plays an asteroids deck. <laughs> yeah. like, well, I thought we we're having fun here. Folks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, what, uh, Star Wars profession would you like to try? Ooh, uh, nerf herder. I'm not sure what a nerf herder is, but I think that'd be really cool to be because like, I'm like, because <laughs> they're usually probably, you know, at what level of a nerf herder, right? Uh, is a scruffy looking nerf herder. Are all nerfy herders scruffy looking? Are they usually well-kept gentlemen that, you know, at, if they fall below a certain point, do they become scruffy looking? I just, I'm just curious. Yeah. I, I, my understanding is that it's an insult to a pilot because they have really crappy ships. Okay. Um, I think that the scruffy looking part was more of an insult towards Han that he just looked yeah. scruffy. Um, but, and then nerfs are like cows is my, is ah. also my, is my understanding. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's, that's all. Of course that was all old expanded universe stuff. Who knows what they are in the new Canon. Well, that, or uh, I can, if I can change my answer. Tatooine crime lord. <laughs> All right. Um, and then what uh, what Star Wars profession would you hate to try? Uh, definitely would not want to be a Bantha Keeper. Definitely okay. don't want to do it. So yes to Nerf Herder, no to Bantha Keeper. I, th I think there's someone <laughs> who can uh, create a... Um, uh, some space in there. Gotcha. Gotcha. And finally, if God exists, what would you like to see him do with the future of the game? Um, I would really, I've been pushing for this in some areas. Um, I would really like for there to be a company just to come in and just, just redo the whole game and print it again uh, have organized play for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm, this, I'm probably in the wrong time of my life for something like this to happen. Right. This would you know, probably involve me having to spend tons of money and, and spend right. time away from my family. But I tell you what, man, the pinnacle of this game was at least to me, 
was a, a period between like 98 when I first got in, 97, 98 when I first got in to like 01, right? Where there were, you know, events that were sponsored by a company that had prizes that meant something that had, I'm not saying that the prizes, the PC offers don't mean anything. Don't, mm. I, I don't want that. To right, 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 right. But like, you know, there was like, you know, folks sought, you know, the world championship. They, mm-hmm. you know, really, you know, appreciate it. I think the backing that Decipher provided it. Um, but if I, you know, could do anything, and you know, I, I trust, I, I've looked into this more than I care to admit of, mm-hmm. of what it would take to get this game printed again. Like, right, you know, right. For me, I deal with a lot of like investment stuff or whatever. I'm like, okay, you know, could we get the money raised? Could we do something to get the game off the ground now? You know, granted, this was all sort of, I mean, sort of pie in the sky stuff. Right, right, right. I this, think there's that's the point. You have the power of God. Yeah, if I have the power of God, if I have the power of God, let's get the game going. And I guess I'd print it myself, but, you know, I, I'd manage it and, uh, Maybe not my self-management. The power of God make other people mm-hmm. manage it. I have to go do my, my godly powers also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think getting this – but it's, it's not necessarily – you have to have a God power to do this. I think it's very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, you see other gaming companies. I'm not sure if you played Star Wars, the card game that came out by Fantasy Flight. I think it was probably the closest thing to a reasonable Star Wars game, card game that's been out since the Decipher game. You know, the Watsy game, you know, had a lot of, you know, ups and downs. I didn't really play it too much, but, you know, it, it lasted a long time for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Um, you had Star Wars Destiny more recently, but the, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, I think, did an okay job capturing the the, the flavor mm-hmm. of the game. By no means was perfect. You know, had a lot of issues, a lot of, lot of gaps that needed filled, but it tried something. And I think uh, this game, there's a... Uh, hunger out there. I mean, you see in the Facebook group, could you imagine, right? If someone, you know, just some company or someone being wealthy enough is just like, mm-hmm. listen, we are going to work out something with, you know, Disney and get the same, get this, right, right. you know, cipher mechanics going again in a printed card game. It would sell like crazy. I think there'd be such a good market for it. Um, and I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that, you know, that they haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. And I know that's sort of maybe, um, you know, I think what the PC does is very good. Uh, right, also right, right. on the PC because the you know I tell you what the PC is probably more successful than almost any like gaming company ever because they've kept this game alive it's going to be you know 19 years um, here at the year. I think the PC is maybe just 18 years old right now mm-hmm. so the PC is literally an adult right and you know not very many gaming companies have lasted 18 years so you know granted you know the PC has different goals and oh know, yeah yeah a profit seeking company, but um, they've done a very, you know, and Scott, you know, hat off to him. You know, he's, he's seen it all and he's sacrificed a lot. And, you know, the other, you know, volunteers have as well, but you know, the, the PC has done a terrific, terrific job, you know, keeping things going. And, you know, if without them, I, you know, I don't think we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people aren't discussing the game, you know, it's just, everything's dormant. So, right. you know, the, is, is, is doing, I think, a bang-up job. But to sort of, I guess, get this thing back on, just my answer back on track here, um, yeah, I think a, a company printing the game, uh, you know, at sort of the quality level uh, that Decipher had um, would be would be what I would do. That godlike power. All right. Great, great, great answer. Great answer. That's, that's definitely, that's definitely a perfect, that's definitely a great answer and a great way to end this interview thank you very much for coming on 
Uh, no, Mr. Kendall, Booker. Thank you, man. And I tell you what, I, I'm not sure how, how many folks will watch this, but, you know, anyone does watch this, you know, I appreciate you hanging in here. You may need to edit this. Oh, gosh, my, my son, Manny Booker, just came in here. Are, are you not done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, hold on, Manny. One second. Let me see. Let me see. What, sir? Uh, uh, did you watch Godzilla I didn't watch Godzilla when I was a kid. Aww. I know, right? This guy. So, Manny, my son, he's such such a blessing. I just watch it. I just watch it, Godzilla. <laughs> Man, I, so, yeah. And I don't really watch He's gonna watch King of the Monsters now. All right. <laughs> so, so as you can see, right, you know, this kid here, you know, you know, he's, he's maybe one day I'll teach him the ways of the Star Wars CCG and and get him involved. But, um, you know, I, I, I forgot what I was saying. But I was also saying, anyone talking to this, you, you may, I'm not sure if you're doing any editing, but you know, feel free to to exclude all Manny there. If not, you know, he's he's a good kid to have around. Um, you know. I appreciate what you're doing here. It's always good, you know, to capture all these uh, memories for us, maybe uh, faint as they may be. So I appreciate you for taking the time to reach out and listen, you know, just to being in the sort of the same conversation for any type of production that involves, you know, Bastion and Matt Circle, I feel immensely honored. See, that's why I interviewed Booker. That wasn't that entertaining. Anyway, uh, yeah, coming up next is going to be my interview with uh, with uh, Emil. Um, he's uh, he's somebody that, that I think a lot of people are looking forward to to hearing. Um, he's not you know he's not somebody that's on Hollow Theater every other week, um, so it should be should be uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Kendallcast.ninja, celebrating media, hobbies, and passion since 2014.